Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 73 of the North Meet South web podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. It is a late evening on April 4th. Ah, did you guys do anything fun for April Fool's for your kids? Well, for your kid. No, you have kids now. Kids, multiple. Just the other one's not here yet. The other one's on the inside at the moment. Did no, you do anything do to anything. Re? Did you do anything fun to prank Re? No? No, she's... So I think we talked about this maybe on last episode or maybe on Laravel News. Where she works, they normally get maybe a 1,000 volunteer inquiries per year. Okay. Since most of their... The average age of their volunteers is like 70. And Gosh. people over the age of 70 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. need to stay at home. So they've mm-hmm. lost a huge chunk of their volunteer base. So they put out like an emergency, hey, we need volunteers to deliver meals and this and that. So they've had, I think, close to a year's worth of inquiries in the last two weeks. Wow. So she has been very, very busy. Yeah. So it's best not to do anything to antagonize her at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Pregnant and very busy at work. Yes. Bad combo. Do not want Mm -hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to say poke the bear, but that would maybe sound disrespectful. So no disrespect. Yeah. We love you. <laughs> yes. So um, no, we're being, being nice to mama and, and daylight savings ended here overnight. So Eli, of course, woke up at five to five and then he, you know, he wants to see mom and mom has to give the bottle when he wakes up. So I change his nappy. He sits down with mommy for a bottle and it's usually a 10 minute thing, but he was awake for like, 40 minutes or so this morning and I dare not go to sleep if Re is up with him. So I was, you know, on my phone and then I put the phone down and uh, when she came back to bed. And so then this thought popped in my head over some stuff for work. And then I was like backwards and forwards, this thing in my head, what I wanted to do for work, which, you know, obviously I don't have to worry about until tomorrow, but it was right. just in my head and I'm like, I could do this or I could do that. And what if I did this? And, and it doesn't happen often, but it's really annoying when it does because the 40 minutes of being awake ended up being, you know, an hour. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you can't and get then, it out of your head and then it's, yeah. Yeah. And then I woke I up that. with it. So I like, I brain dumped it all onto whoever needed to hear it at work and, and left it at that. But fortunately, after he went back to sleep, I think the last time I saw the time was just after five. He woke up around 7.30, which was not, not too bad. He so he slept from like seven until four, well five, and then yeah, another couple of hours. So it was it was a good night's sleep overall. It's just it it just shakes you a little bit when you, when you get up so close to when you would normally be getting up anyway, and then you're like ah yeah. So, but yeah. he's been down for a nap now for a couple. I think he's still asleep. He was still asleep when when I jumped on the call with you. So he's been asleep for fingers crossed couple of hours now. Fingers crossed. Let's hope he makes on it a good day. Yeah, on a good day, he was asleep for like three hours. So yeah, it's about the same over here. That's good. Yeah, it's good. It's plenty. It's good, and it's enough time to get some stuff done, and then actually have a little bit, a little bit of time to yourself. So yeah. How about you? How was your April's full? April. Oh, uh, it was good. I'm trying to remember if we did anything funny to the kids. Not anything crazy. Not anything crazy. We actually challenged people at our work to do stuff to their kids and then record it. And one lady told her kids that they had to repeat their grade next year. Like that was like <laughs> that the state came out and said all the kids that are in school who are being like pretty much homeschooled have to repeat their grade next year. And the girl's like, I'm I'm not doing that. 
I'll be homeschooled. I'm going to homeschool next year then. I'll like finish the grade again. And like, like I'm not doing that. I will not do that. Yeah. And just like, she's <laughs> so irritated. It's pretty funny. It's funny. Yeah. So we actually, this is kind of cool. So half of my team is like the creative slash marketing team for our company. And during this COVID-19 stuff, like, I don't know, like there's, there's some marketing stuff you could be doing, whatever. But I mean, we were trying to figure out like, what could we do to kind of help our people in our building, mm-hmm. right? And so we have about 250 people and we went from 30% remote capability to like 95% remote capability over a weekend. So everybody's remote, a lot of them for the first time. And like nice. a lot of these people are not used to like not being with other people and whatever, whatever, right? So we decided that we were going to do a daily show. So mm-hmm. we figured out how to do the whole live stream thing and OBS and soundboards next to your computer and like video switchers and camera setups. It was really, really pretty cool, actually. Um, nice. So we've been doing that. And that was like th- that April Fool's challenge, whatever. It's one of the recordings we shared on the show. So it's, it's been really fun. It's been a cool uh, kind of experience. So along with that, not any really thing related to programming necessarily. But one of the things I had on my list to talk about today is uh, about OBS and restream and all that stuff. So I, I got yeah. set up with that over, over the weekend and, um, it's been pretty neat. And actually it kind of like a relevant announcement. If you're into streaming is that, uh, what's the name of the service now? Stream stream labs. Thank you. Stream labs, OBS, which is like a customized version of OBS that works with stream labs yeah. now, I guess mm-hmm. is out for Mac. I think it was only previously a windows thing, but now it's out for Mac. Yeah. So uh, now is a great time to get into streaming. If you have not, if it's something you're interested in, I think this makes it a lot easier. So pretty much need like, you know, honestly, you don't really need a whole lot. You could, you could set up with like your current webcam or whatever. It's nice to have like a mic and maybe some lighting, whatever, but, but yeah, it's pretty yeah, neat. I, pretty neat. I saw, I saw that it was out during the week and I had a bit of a play around with it. It, so the, the software that we use for, for this and for Laravel news when we do our live streams is called Ecamm Live and that will pick up my digital SLR as a camera input, which is good because you get the direct feed and all of that. Streamlabs OBS doesn't, but it does allow you to capture a window. So you have to install the, the Canon EOS utility and essentially just capture the, the live preview yeah. of that. As like and your so video. I'll, yeah, so I was having a bit of a play around with it during the week it would be cool to use it if i do like some coding live streams i which is something that i can actually conceivably do now considering i'm working from home so i don't have you know the office around me and other people around me during the day so it might be something that i look at assuming there's anything that i can actually share moving forward in the future but yeah it, it's cool it's a lot it's a lot more slick than the default obs is that what um, you've used in the in- past for your streams is it just regular obs yeah, I've used OBS in the past, and then when I picked up Ecamm, I've used that, and it's it's nice because it gives you some you know basic overlays and allows you to handle screens and things like that. Yeah, but it's it's kind you can of add limited. like media, right? You can add media. You can have like different scenes, whatever. You can like have fades yeah. between scenes, and you can customize yeah. your. You can put your webcam as a circle in the bottom right. You can do any video mm. overlays, any anything you want. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, which is which is what we're doing, and I added this week our Twitter handles and and the North meet South logo onto oh, the nice. video. So, but yeah, OBS just gives you a little bit more and it, and it lets you hook into like all of these style themes that you can get. I, I, most of the ones that I saw were all the premium ones, but there's some like free ones as well that you can play around with, which gives your stream a little bit more uh, candy to look at, I suppose. But if you're programming, you probably don't want to detract too much from like your editor or anything like that. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. 
but but something I'll probably play around with a little bit more, especially once once we get then ping me out there and we can start looking at maybe the the public bits of it and things like that. So yeah, we'll see how cool. we go. The other thing I've been using it for is OBS this week is actually one of the questions we've had is how do we keep people informed of all the different like features that we're releasing with our internal software, right? And so yeah. I mean, we've got like we just finished upgrading every one of our Laravel apps, internal Laravel apps to the latest version of Laravel 7 and getting on PHP 7.4, which yeah. is an accomplishment, let me tell you, because we have like at least 25, at least 25 apps out there. And not all of them are on like Forge and Envoy, or like we have some of them mm-hmm. on, on IIS. And it's been a bit of a pain, honestly, to get them all running on PHP 7.4 with the latest version of Laravel, which is, I'm so stoked. Um, seven four would be trickier than upgrading to the latest version of Laravel, I think, because there's a few things that that are different in seven four, like accessing, you know, properties of or accessing array keys of nulls and things like that doesn't work mm. anymore. Like it used to, used to be able to use the null coalesce operator, whereas now it will throw a warning, which of course Laravel catches and turns into an exception. Yeah. Oh, believe um, me, we've had our fair share. Like we've had our fair share of like stuff that so. One thing that we did is we ran this PHP upgrade uh, compatibility checker that like runs through all of your code and says, um, show yeah. us anything that does not work with 7.4. And it is a pretty that decent was that, job. Was it Rector? Is that what it's called? No, although that is one. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that, that is actually one that'll do the fix for you, I think. Okay. But yeah, yeah. Freak, uh, Freak. Freak talked about that this last week, Rector. And um, there's also PHP CS Fixer, I think. Is that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the that one that we there? use. Yeah, but so, that's more around code style than, sure. than compatibility fixes. Yeah, but Rector is really interesting because you can actually write your own sort of like app stuff for it. So I actually was talking to Jason McCurry about this a little while ago. Like we have these twenty five apps, right? And it's somewhat common actually that we'll find something that's like, oh man, we got to update this across all these apps now. And yeah. like for something simple, right? For example, we say like, oh, we're going to be switching all our logging to paper trail. And so we need to go through all of our logging.php and change our stack to be daily and paper trail instead of daily and syslog or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have to go in and do it for all of them. What's well, a That's a pain. It'd be much nicer if we could just say like, Rector, go run this thing against all of these or whatever, right? Something like that. If you had like this ability to basically do like a shift, a micro tiny shift on a app, since all of us are on 7.4 now, all the configs look practically mm-hmm. the same. It'd be really nice to be able to do that. And I think Rector sort of gives you the ability to do that too. But <laughs> I'm trying to remember what I was saying now. We were on getting on 7.4. Oh, and so anyway, like we're now back into development mode where we're actually pushing features out, right? And um, it can be, I mean, even with a small team, even with only like three people, if you're doing your job well, there's a lot of stuff you're pushing out each week. Like there can, there can be a lot of little features that really just kind of get lost that nobody really knows about. And I mean, because like a specific yeah. team or something will ask for it, but it applies to a lot of people. So how do you put that out there? Well, one way is like a change log, right? So you have a change log, but do the people read them? Maybe another thing is like a blog, but if it's a decent feature, like it's going to have a little bit of a length and if they don't care about it, they're not going to watch it. Right. So basically what I did is I was using OBS to record these little screen shares, essentially where I would just kind of walk through the feature. Like, keep it under a minute they keep it under two minutes right yeah it's got my little video in the bottom left so it feels a little bit more or actually in the bottom right most of the time so it feels a little bit more personal so it's mm-hmm. not so like sterile just like a screen you actually can see someone's face explaining it which actually adds a lot of like warmth personality that word. warmth yeah. yeah 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 
And so people are more than likely to watch it. And then mm-hmm. I made, uh, we kind of have built a custom blog on top of Nova. And now what it does is if it's, if there's a featured video, as soon as they click to that blog post, it shows it in the very top and auto plays it. So it's pretty cool. Uh, so I've been using OBS for that as well. And it's really nice because I can do whatever the heck I want. Like if I can think of it, I can do it in OBS. It's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 I definitely want to have a play with it. I've, I've used Ecamm to do like one or two videos for work. Same kind of yeah thing where we've made some changes to our crm so i've i've recorded that as a video and and did the whole intro you know talking into the camera is actually really hard to like it look is. at the camera because oh your word, eyes right. start it wondering is, it is true and i've been watching adam tweeted yesterday a video from sam selikoff where he, where he did a a training session at EmberConf. Well, it was supposed to be at EmberConf, but he's released it as a video and so he's done that now and and put that out and like he's really good at that kind of stuff where he's talking to the camera and and the video cuts between him and the and the screen and things like that so there's obviously a bit of post production that's gone into it as well but it's it's really hard especially for those of you that watch the stream like I was trying to talk into the camera but at the same time looking at the camera I'm not making eye You're contact looking at with the wrong you camera and I'm too. Because and that's right. I can well, see. and it's different because for the stream, I've got the SLR, but for oh, yeah. you, for Skype, you've it's looking at the other camera. So I've got to look at yeah. slightly to the, that's to the right. So, oh, that's so funny. I didn't realize but that. But it's really difficult because I, I want to, you know, I want to look you in the eye, but to look you in the eye, I have to look in the camera, but then I have to look at the right camera because, yeah, you know, I'm not, like, so, I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at the camera, which is right, where, which right. is then where you see it. So that's so funny. Yeah. It's a process. I've actually been watching. So I don't know. Like it seems like almost it's a little bit late to get in on the game. Like you almost want to get in. Like so, Justin Jackson, that marketing for developers. I remember, man, I was reading his stuff like four or five years ago before he ever was in the Laravel community. Where I was watching his stuff, I was always like a big fan of his work, and he would always say like, "Go where no one else is." Right? It's sort of like that um, Mm. blue water, right? Like go for where like there's nobody else there, and like that's where you should start. And so, like, he was one of the first dudes I know of that, like, started streaming or doing YouTube stuff a lot. Um, And so now he's got quite a bit of a following because, like, he was one of the first ones, not the first ones, but, you know, he was an early kind of adopter in that space. And now it's like, used to be even like, oh, there's, you know, everybody's got a podcast. Well, now it's like, everybody's got a streaming channel. Everybody's got Twitch. You know, everybody's got a YouTube channel. Everybody's got all that, right? So it's kind of like... Eh, do I even want to be that guy who like jumps in at the last minute? It's like, hey, yeah. I've got one too. Like me too. Come look at my stuff. It's like, oh, I don't know. Like, so maybe I just do a TikTok or something, you know? I don't know. I have no idea. And, right? and this I mean, is, but seriously, that's what yeah. it is. Like it's like uh, you you go to the spot where nobody's there yet. Like and be yeah. that guy, be the first yeah. one. But this is the thing everyone's doing, and especially now that more of us are working remotely, it's easier because you don't oh, totally. have the distraction that's of the only people walking behind yeah. you and, and things like that. But it's getting to the point where there's some saturation now where heaps of people are all doing exactly. it at the same time. So on Correct. Friday, Matt Stauffer, who does his regular stream on on Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern, and then J-Mac was doing one, and then I think someone else wanted to do one as well. It's like, hey, I'm going to stream, and it's like, ah. Then it gets too much, and it's like, well, who can you Ooh, watch Caleb. live? Yeah, who who can you watch live? And then who are you going to watch? The, and are you really going to watch a replay of someone live? Like, Correct. live coding is the kind of thing that you want to be involved in. Because that, that you've got the interaction part, whereas going back and watching something after the fact is not as much fun because you you know there's nothing to interact. You can't interact with the person that's giving that presentation, so it's a lot trickier. the The Sam Selikoff one was good because it it's designed as a tutorial right, as opposed right. to a code along. So, and and for me, 
I can't be involved in most of them anyway because your your time zones are all you know out of whack. So Matt's like, I'm doing it 11 11 a.m. Eastern. I'm like, yeah, that's three o'clock in the morning. I don't think I've ever watched a live code, which is, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. It's like, like I don't know. My time is so limited. I feel like, and it's like I I literally, if I don't know necessarily that I'm going to be learning specifically something when I'm watching it, it's like I I don't necessarily have the time to tune in i'm not sure yeah it's a young man's game it's a young man's (laughs) game you can't even keep Uh, up with twitter you're not going to keep up with everyone's live streams it's true oh man my word like yeah it's true it's true it's just it's getting to that point but hey that's okay so anyway (laughs) that's kind of like obs restream live streaming it's it's cool it's a thing right i'm glad people are doing it I, i think it's really interesting i don't know that i'll be able to really jump on the bandwagon i'll probably have to find something else but yeah the only thing that really annoys me uh even like not even just live streaming code but even when we do this this podcast i've got this four thousand dollar laptop that is second i open a camera the fans just spin up to infinity and it's just hovering (laughs) on my desk doesn't matter doesn't matter what like as soon as i open ecamm and it's and the same thing with obs as soon as i open it the fans just spin up it's it's ridiculous I don't know what it's doing. It can't be that hard to stream video. Correct. Correct. I know, man. Like, I've been thinking more and more about getting uh, a Windows machine again, partly because I can't play Rocket League on Mac anymore because they stopped doing updates for Mac. So, like, mm-hmm. I literally haven't played Rocket League in, like, a month. I don't know. Turns out I've got Rocket League had- on the Switch. Yeah, I do. I went have, to buy it yeah. the other day well, and I'm like, oh, it's on there. So, I could play I, it. I have it. That's where bad. I originally bought it. It was on the Switch. I bought it on the Switch originally. But... It's uh the controls are not great. Like even with the pro controller on the switch, like mm. it's, uh, it's so clunky. I, I like after I played with a PS4 controller and on my, on my uh, Mac, I, I, like going back to the switch, it feels like I'm driving a semi. Like, it's just like, so <laughs> like, so, seriously, yeah. it's, it's weird, which sounds so silly, but it's true. The um, only thing I'm using the switch for at the moment is ring fit adventure because the weather's oh, starting yeah, to take really a cool. turn now. It's starting to take a Wilbur turn Power out this weather. Just got that. Yeah, I love it. It's it's hard work, and but it certainly is a workout. Like you wouldn't think that running on the spot is gonna do that much for you, but it's not that much. It's probably even harder <laughs> than running on the spot on a treadmill because the treadmill is obviously moving for you. So when you're when mm-hmm. you're running on the floor, and then you know you're doing crunches and squats and and things, and that that ring doesn't look like much, but when you're squeezing it over your head, you find out where you don't have any muscle. Uh-huh. I would I would suggest that probably it's no good for Adam Wyland because he will break that poor little thing because he's a bit stronger than the rest of us. But right. it's just something because the, the weather was really awful yesterday and I, I did manage to find a, a crack in the in the rain to go out for a run. I saw that, Which yeah. was good. My knee it was a little bit sore last night and it's a little bit more sore today. And I've got, you know, the calves are a bit tight, but that's... That's more because I haven't actually been for a run for 16 months than anything else, but I'm I'm slowly getting back in there. But it's it's been hard not leaving the house. Not not so much from the fact that I oh I'm going stir crazy. And I know people go stir crazy because they can't this is fine. I love not before I used to have to come up with excuses to not leave the house, whereas now it's like well, I'm not allowed to leave the house unless I'm going shopping or you know, dropping Eli off at childcare right. or whatever. So it's really good. But because I'm not leaving the house. I'm not at the office. I don't go to the gym. At lunch. The gyms are all closed. I can't go to the gym even if I wanted to. Yeah. But w- when I was at work, I'd go to the gym at lunch. I'd go to the gym on the way home from work. Whereas now, I've got to go out for a walk. I've got to go outside. It's it's starting to get colder and and windier. And, and yesterday, because I took Eli with me, so I'm pushing the pram into a headwind. And 
it killed me. It, that was the slowest I've walked in in weeks because <laughs> this wind was just right up in my face. And the pram, we turned it around so that he had his back to the the headwind, sure, right. so that he's yeah, not yeah. getting a face full of cold wind outside. Right, and it was a nightmare. <laughs> it was it was such an effort. It's weird. Like I feel like I'm I'm with you, not because I go to the gym every day, but because like when I'm at work, I typically am up and moving. Like. I'll be at my office. I'll be in my office for a little bit at a time, but I'll have a meeting or I'll need to go discuss something with somebody or I'm going up to get coffee or something, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm up. I get up. Like I've noticed since I've been working at home, the days are so much longer because I literally, I, I wake up and like, <laughs> this is unhealthy. My office is like in our bedroom, yeah. as you can see behind me. And so like I wake up and I get on the computer and I'm here. I'm at mm-hmm. work, like, which is convenient because there's no commute, but it's also like there's no boundary, right? Yeah. So it's like I'm at work and it's like I sit in this chair until lunch. Yeah. And then after lunch, I sit in this chair until work's done. Like I don't get up. Like I don't have a standing desk at home. Like, so yeah. it's rough. I mean, it's, it's been, ugh, it's been, it's been not, not great. You but I will say, go ahead. Did you, did you give up the Apple Watch or have you still got it? Yeah. Ding. So is that not getting you up is. off your ass every, Here we are. Oh, you know what? I think I turned it off. I should should turn it back on. I think I turned it off. Yeah. See, I'm fortunate because Eli's at childcare. When I get up in the morning, I've got to go and take him to childcare. So the the routine's kind of the same. But instead of going to work, I come back here and then I have breakfast and whatever and I sit down and I start to work. But I've got, I I have a couch here. So when I stop for lunch, I mean, this week, the weather's been nice. I've gone down to the park and and I've um, got some shots up. But oh, yeah, I saw that too. I remember you recorded that and put that on the channel. I recorded me dunking on an on an That's eight right. and a half foot was, ring. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I sent it to a few of my old basketball teammates and they're like, oh, it looks like, you know, you're jumping okay. You're landing fine. Looks the like knees you're back intact. In you're go, back. I'm right? like, no, this is as close no, as I'm getting to playing basketball. I'm retired. That's funny. So, but it's good because, you know, I and most of the people that I work with, they're, because we run a contact center, so they're normally in the office. So now it's like getting into their their mind that like, don't just roll out of bed five minutes before your shift starts and sit down at your computer. You've got to get up. You've got to like, even the little things like putting on your work shoes, just to put work shoes on, just something to like signify that the work day has started and then taking them off at the end of the, the end of the day to signify that work has ended. Yeah. Because a lot of these people, because they don't work from home or they don't, you know, they don't necessarily have dedicated spaces. So they've got their computer set up on their kitchen table, like Re has. Sure. It's, yeah. it's very careful. Oh it's very hard. Like Re, for example, because she's been so busy, once we get Eli down to bed, she'll go and sit down at the table and, and work for another hour or so at night. So you have to be careful if you've been thrust into working from Remote home work, at the you moment. Set, like your schedule. Yeah, yeah. Because you still have to have a schedule. You still have to, like people are saying they've lost their commute. So they used to catch public transport and things like that. So they're not walking to the train station and they're, so they're not getting the exercise. I'm like, well, you get a 30 minute lunch break. It's just a matter of making time for like if you don't have time for exercise you make time like you get up half an hour earlier or you go for a walk after work or whatever being from home and not having to commute home it means that when i finish at four or four thirty, i can go for a walk for 30 minutes so you, you just got to find the balance i mean the hardest part for me is being at home with a kitchen that i can just go into or a pantry that i can just yeah. go into and and then grab junk right just totally and and we've got like I keep it in the house and it's a matter of like training the willpower to like don't eat that. And I've, I've kind of been calorie counting since the start of March just because Adam, when Adam tweeted that he lost a bunch of weight and he was looking really good, I'm like, you know what? That was pretty unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah. 
it's it's time for me to like lose the weight that I put on being lazy with with this knee injury. So I'm down. I'm back down now to what I was when I had that surgery, which is good. And I probably want to go a bit further, but because I'm not doing any weights and I'm not, you know, I don't have access to an elliptical or a, a air walker or whatever you call them over there. It's it's a bit harder because going for a walk is not quite the same intensity as as jumping on the elliptical for with the cross trainer for 30 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever. So, sure. and, and, you know, running's difficult because I haven't done it for so long, but slowly working my way back into that now, but just, just having the temptation at home and, and avoiding it. So going back to the Adam thing, he, I said to him, you know, what are you using to track calories? And he, he sent me the app. It's called lose it. L O S E I T.com. There's a app, there's a you know iOS app, there's an Android app, and just being able to see that and say, okay, this is what I've consumed today, this is what I've got left, and knowing what you can have, and this is now all of you know learning about portion control, where it's like I could drink that flavored milk, like I used to have a bottle, it was a 500 yeah, ml bottle, yep, and I would just drink that and it'd be fine. But when you when you're looking at what you're consuming and you, and you see this thing and it's like. Uh, it's 17. So we do everything in kilojoules, but you're in um, calories. calories. So this thing's like 400 calories it's just for a bottle of milk, for flavored milk, because it's all sugar. So yep. you look at that and okay, all right. And milk. If I, wa- I want to fit this in to my daily goal, I've got to have like 20% of that. So I, I took a photo of it and I sent it to a friend yesterday. And it's like, I've got to have an espresso glass. Like that's how much I can have. <laughs> And so I put it into the espresso glass so it feels like I'm having like a full serving of it. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and these are, you know, the tricks that you play Little on your sips. mind. Like you don't, you don't have a huge amount of food, so you put it on a smaller plate. And when the smaller plate is full, it looks like you're having heaps. So just these little like things. That's a good idea. And, and it's not like going crazy. It's not like I'm, I'm going extreme on macros. Like I'm not keeping my carbs and my fats and my proteins at different levels. I'm just keeping it under that. And so I'm doing to to hit my target was 1,800 calories a day, and most days I'm at a 1,200 calorie net. So I'm I'm 600 under on most days, and so that, that's pretty you know, damn good. That factors in um, exercise as well. But most of the days I'll probably consume maybe about 5,000 kilojoules, 5,000 about yeah about 1,200 calories a day I'll consume. Um, plus or minus exercise. So my original target date for my target weight was the the ninth, I think, of June or something like that. And it's down to the twenty eighth of April. So end of this month I should have lost the That's rest awesome, of what man. I wanted. Which would be about eleven eleven kilos, which is I think twenty twenty pounds, twenty two pounds. That's really good. That's really good. Eleven kilos in pounds. Twenty four pounds, yeah. So that's that's pretty crazy. Since since the beginning, so two months basically. Yeah, I this I did this for the wedding, and I did that over like six months. So doing it in two, but it's extreme, and it's kind of like it was my grandma's birthday yesterday, and so I got some black forest cake, and I'm like, okay, so this black forest cake is just from a arbitrary bakery. How do I how do I count this? And that the loser app is actually really good in, in providing these things and and it allows you to do it by like serving, which is sometimes a little bit arbitrary. Like what is one serving of cake? 
it had one slice. I'm like, well, what's your definition of a slice? Exactly. I'm pretty yeah, sure, how big is that slice? I'm pretty sure my definition of slice is not the is not the 400 calorie slice that you've got here. <laughs> <laughs> or 200 calories or whatever it was. So yeah, luckily it allowed right. me to do it by weight. So There you go. There you go. Nice. Yeah, man. I, I, the only thing I'm doing right now is uh, Kaneko, the man who so generously donated our, our logo, challenged a couple, I don't know, a couple people to like do 100 burpees a day. <laughs> Bro, that's been brutal. It's hard. Brutal. Can I, I, can I have, just call I someone out? Can I call someone out? Do it. Abigail doesn't listen to this podcast, but she posted a video of her, of her burpees and those are not burpees. <laughs> I didn't see. What does she do? That was a half burpee. That was a half what? burpee. Does she do a push up? No, no, she got so she went down, she did the push up and she got up, but she only like stood up like halfway. She was like this 45 degree bend. And I'm like, you gotta go all the way up, you gotta clap the hands, and you gotta back down again. Oh gosh, bro. You can't I, I'm telling that's you. 50. I, that's 50 she's done. Not a hundred. So, so I'm probably doing 30 then. I mean, literally, like I'm so it is so bad. It is so bad. I, I'm definitely not doing burpees. I, that's why I will never record myself doing a burpee. <laughs> I am doing a version of a burpee that I found on YouTube, but I'm like, okay, like this dude knows what he's doing. Like, this is how you do it. Because I was like, I don't know. Like I was getting really like, cause I mean, you can like injure yourself, which sounds so silly, but like, if you're not doing like, no, you if can. you're not like doing the squat first and then like, whatever, like you can, you can do some stupid crap. So yeah, I'd never done them before. So anyway, I'm working on it. Right. Like I think the first day I hit, like I did like 50, I just like literally forgot. Like I just, <laughs> so the what next I day I did a hundred, yeah. next day I did like a hundred and I'm like, okay, I'll make up the other 50 like later. And the next day I was back to like 60, like totally again, like just one of those things. Like, yeah. and then today I'm at like 80, 70, mm -hmm. 78. I have to do 30 more tonight. So it's like, gosh, it's going to be like one in the morning. I'm going to be doing burpees. That's what it was <laughs> the, the other day. I got a hundred. I was like, I was doing crazy. It was like in the middle of the night. I'm like doing burpees before I go to bed. Stupid. Anyway. Hey, I wanted to talk about uh, a couple things related to our development stuff. So I have a couple of tools I wanted to talk about. So maybe Notion, maybe not. I'll just give a quick quick promo for this. So you noticed this. You've noticed this. I've been using Notion a lot. A lot. Eight. And you said, I don't know what you said. You're like, you've gone kind of crazy with the whole Notion. You've thing. gone off the deep end. You've absolutely gone off the deep end. So, okay. So I just wanted to share a couple of things, what I like about Notion, and maybe it'll be a tool that you'll be able to use too. But a couple of things I like about Notion is number one, it's really easy to use. And it's gorgeous. It's freaking gorgeous. Even if like you use it just for like the stuff that I use it for, which is literally like bullet points, mm -hmm. scratch pad, checklists, like simple. And then the thing that I really like about it is it allows me to create infinitely nested pages. Like I can just create as many pages as I want and any pages inside of those pages and any pages inside of those pages inside of those pages, whatever, whatever, right? Like, and then it also makes it super easy to search. So I press command P to start typing the name of the title. And there we go. Like, no big deal. It's awesome. Uh, it just gets me exactly where I need to go. So it's easy also to share stuff. So I can share a Notion document and collaborate in real time with somebody if I care to. Which works um, most of the time. Yeah, which works most of the time. There's a little bit of, there's a couple of tricks to it, right? You can set up workspaces or you can have mm -hmm. like shared items or you can share like a, just a particular page. But I, I like that. I, I think it's also pretty cool for things like if you go to Tailwind UI and you go to any of their documentation or any of their licensing information, guess what it's written in? It's written it's in Notion. Notion. And then it's just yeah. a publicly shared page. Like I love that. It makes it solves these problems really simply. Um, I did that for my Laracon uh, online kind of like live notes, right? Super, yeah. super simple. 
I think those are the things that I, I wrote down. I, and I use, like I said, I use it for like my scratch. So if I have like a meeting that I'm going into that I know is going to be discussing some items that are going to possibly turn into a feature or whatever. I can just write them in there and then mm-hmm. I know they're there and I can just get rid of them. It used to be like I'd write them in Sublime, but I didn't have an organization system for them. So they're just kind of like saved in a folder somewhere now. But with Notion, it's all saved like as you're typing it. So I don't have to worry about losing anything. Yeah. Right? Uh, which is really nice. The other things that it does, which I just noticed today, and there's so many features I don't use yet. But you can create something called like a gallery where it um, not only has like the pages that are sub nested underneath of it, but you can show a preview of the contents of those pages. So um, I manage a small team. So what I can do is I can have a page that says the week of April, what is going to be 7th, the week of April 7th. And kind of, I, I usually have the kind of a running hit list for each one of the people that's on my team. And what I can do is I can create a sub page for you know, the week of March or uh, the week of April 7th. And I have like Jake's list, Michael's list, Wilbur's list, Gergay's list, uh, Aaron's list, whatever. And then I can uh, use a gallery to view the content on those pages. So I can kind of see like a summary of the checklist items that I've kind of assigned to them. Yeah. And just kind of keep track of like where things are. With that, with that many people, it's very difficult to keep those things in your head. Like, what am, mm-hmm. what are they waiting on me for? Like, what are the things that I'm supposed to be helping them with? And, you know, like you constantly are getting interrupted through the day too. And it's like, you have to categorize that thing that somebody's asking you to do. Is that my list? Is that their list? Did I ask them to do it or not? Like, and so, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, but there's a lot of interesting features. Um, the only thing I'm not crazy about it for is it gets really expensive if you need to kind of like deploy it over an entire organization. Mm-hmm. It's it can get pricey pretty quick, right? So yeah. if you actually wanted to share it across everything, it gets it gets expensive. Uh, but that's also where you'd get the most benefit, I think. Like if you wanted to have like a knowledge base or share like HR documentation, they've really got some interesting stories out there, how Notion is being used in different organizations, some stories about it. Like they're really nicely shot videos and I know Figma uses it. Uh, so it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, there's my Notion pitch. Uh, we'll put a link to my referral code in there. Basically, you don't have to buy anything. It's just if you sign up with that referral code, then I get like, I don't know, it was like $5 for free or something because mm-hmm. I'm purchased. I, I currently am paying for it because I love it that much. And then you get 10 bucks free towards uh, a subscription as well. But anyway, I, I've really been enjoying it. It's it's pretty cool. And uh, you should try it out if you haven't yet. So yeah. Yeah. The, um, I've, I was going to say, I've, the, the thing that I've found Notion actually really nice for is is doing quotes for clients oh, not, yeah. Yeah, not yeah. in a in a formal like structured line itemy type thing but just in the fact that it spits out a, a nice looking pdf you can write it all as markdown and it allows you like the way that i did it when i did some quotes recently was to put like a background and a purpose in there clarifying what the scope of work was um responsibilities in terms of development timeframes and hosting environments and things like that. And then, you know, just shunting the quote as like, this is the um, the deposit, this is the progress, and this is the balance. And these are when those things are due. And then talking about all that kind of stuff. So that was really nice. The other thing that I use it for is documentation for work. So yeah. I put in there like our standard Envoy config, um, standard server configuration. So if we, if we spin up a new server, here's all the... I mean, I could use something like Ansible or some automation, but like here are the things that I copy and paste into the terminal to, to right. get it up and running, right? So those kind of things are really nice because when you put in a, a code block, you can just hit copy to clipboard and it'll grab everything that's in that code block. And then, so I copy to clipboard and then I just paste that into the terminal. Yeah, the um, code blocks are really beautiful too. They yeah. do a really good job with their code blocks. 
So, you know, it, it goes through other things like first thing you need to do is enable Nginx and FPM and supervisor, and then you need to create the directories. So copy and paste this and throw that in there and then permissions and SE Linux and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and I don't need to worry about it. Now, ultimately, I probably could create a playbook. I'm sure Chris Fidel's probably got a course out there on how to use Ansible. And if not, sure. I'll probably pester him about it. But, you know, all these kinds of things, just, just to make life easier for us because we don't have the ability to use, you know, Vapor or Forge or anything like that, unfortunately. So, right. And it's not like we're spinning up servers very often, but when we do, we're setting up two at a time because, you know, we've got the, the HA environment. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and just the thing that makes it really simple, I can copy and paste it from the Notion document, but I've also, because I use TMARCs, I can SSH into two servers at once and just paste and just like That's nice. get both of them done. So, um, Ansible would be nice, but I don't know that I need it, to be honest. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Speaking of like um, referral codes and stuff, we should talk about use Fathom. That's a great idea. Slash That's a fantastic North. idea. Yeah. So actually, um, Fathom Analytics, if you haven't heard of it, is simple analytics for bloggers and businesses. So they basically take the problem of analytics on your website and simplify it down to a single page in real time that you can use to view everything that you would want to see on a single page. There are no cookie notices required, which is amazing. They're GDPR compliant. Uh, you can have unlimited websites and it's instantly ready for huge spikes. So they actually had a recent episode of that with the COVID-19 stuff. There was one page that was being monitored on uh, Fathom that just got absolutely hammered and no problem because they're running it on Vapor, which auto scales using AWS. Uh, so really, really amazing. Uh, they've been featured on Fast Company, GitHub, Product Hunt, Hacker News. DHH has been giving them some love recently. So if you haven't heard of them yet, you should definitely go check them out at usefathom.com slash north. If you use that uh, link, you will get, I believe it's a 14-day free trial and about a month and a half worth of free credits after that. Uh, so it's really, really good. Uh, you can't go wrong trying it out. You should definitely use it on your page. It's awesome. So check that out. Yeah. In addition, Jack Ellis uh, has a course out there. Uh, Michael, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. And then you could also tell us about this amazing credit that we got. Yeah. The serverless Laravel course, I, I just finished it a couple of days ago going through all the videos. It goes through talking about all of the ins and outs of getting up and running on vapor about getting your environments up tricks around good ways of you know when to use different parts of vapor instead of making it up maybe i'll just log in and and go through some of the videos so it goes through introduction of what serverless is getting set up and running in vapor getting your aws credentials set up creating your first project the the yaml configuration file that vapor uses how to point your custom domains Talks about how Laravel uniquely handle. I don't know if it's unique, but how Laravel Vapor handles environment variables and secrets, disabling services you don't need, working your way around, you know, avoiding cold starts and when to use databases and and when when to use things like Aurora DB versus using a multi-region database, scaling, queues, handling static assets, file systems, networks, and security. Um, there's a few videos yet to come around. Uh, business and costs and how to persuade your boss or your client to use Vapor, how to estimate your costs, real-world cost examples, which are coming from Fathom Analytics itself. So they've got about a year's worth of data on on that. And, and Jack's always looking at refining 
his approach and and how they do that kind of stuff. So it's a really good course. It's it's quite in depth in terms of coverage of different topics and things that you'll encounter running a uh, you know a PHP and, and Laravel application on a serverless infrastructure. So if that's something that you're interested in, check it out. I'm pretty sure he's got a hundred dollars off at the moment for all you people that are cooped up at home and need something to do with all that free time. Yeah, absolutely. And they're just good people. They're Laravel community members, obviously, so support them if you can. That would be awesome. Hey, I also wanted to uh, say real quick, if any of you are working for nonprofits out there, there's this awesome site called TechSoup. This is not a sponsorship read, so it's just for free here. So TechSoup.com basically is for nonprofits, and they can get you all sorts of discounts on different products or even on hardware. And one of the things that they can do is you can get $2,000 worth 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 of AWS credits for a $175 admin fee and you can do that every single year. So, nice. uh, I just did that for the nonprofit we work for. So, that's not a startup, right? It doesn't qualify for any of that, but you basically go to TechSoup. You so you can sign up for TechSoup for like $50 for the year and then you pay $175 administration fee and it gets you that $2,000 worth of AWS credits and then you just renew it the next year. It's pretty amazing, really. Yeah. They've got all sorts of stuff. They got stuff for Zoom on there. They've got stuff for any Microsoft uh, products. They've got they got, they got all sorts of stuff on there. So if, so if you work for a nonprofit or know of somebody who works for a nonprofit or runs a nonprofit or whatever, uh, let them know about that. It's a really really cool organization. Uh, the the nonprofit I work for has been uh, using it for years. So you got some nice. really cool stuff out there. Yeah, check that out. Excellent. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to talk about a couple tools uh, that we haven't actually had a chance to talk about in real life because we're both busy people. But you recently contacted me about Minio. So yeah. I was curious if you want to talk about that for a couple minutes. Let's do it. We we did sure. eventually get it up and running. Um, okay. It's a bit... <sighs> maybe we could explain, first of all, for like maybe people who don't know what Minio is, like what exactly it is. So yeah. Sometimes it's actually better to have the person who's newer at it describe what it is because you have just been recently messing with it. So Minio is a it's an S3 compatible self-hosted object storage application. So essentially you can install it as a as a Docker container or you can run it on the you know bare metal server or whatever you've got and point it at a directory and say this is my object storage and then you essentially just configure your Laravel application to talk to Minio. Now, there's a little bit of specific configuration that you need to do because whilst the API is um, S3 compatible, there's some configuration that you need to do around endpoints and URLs. And we, our internal URL that we upload to is different from our public URL. So we needed to do some configuration to separate that. But for the most part, like it's really quick. It's it's self-hosted, so if you need a data warehouse your own stuff like we need to for our ISO certification and things like that and, and keeping all of our customer data in Australia and we've got storage up the wazoo, so why not? Yeah, we just got our guys to set this up for us and, and we just use it for, you know, customer file uploads. We use it for invoices. So we generate them from, you know, we generate a PDF of an invoice and it stays there in perpetuity. We do... Um, installer photos and things like that. Like essentially anything that requires storage of files, where we're now using this for. So, oh, dude, um, it's so freaking amazing! It, it is, makes life so like, much easier. You literally before this, it's like you either had to have co-located storage on the on the server that you're hosting the website on, which is not yeah. great because that really ties you. Like, 
it, you can't just move your code now. Yeah. You have to like move all of the files along with your code. So like the high availability stuff becomes very difficult, right? You can't, you have to have like a file server that's sort of divorced from the web server itself. And so uh, Minio makes that super simple. So yeah, think of it like, it mean, you just host your own AWS instance, essentially is what it is, your own S3 instance, as it were. But the other thing that you can actually use it for, which is nice, is testing locally. Although I will say this isn't as necessary as it maybe once was now that we have storage fake inside of our test layer it's it's not as necessary but if you're wanting to do sort of like for me there's there's three layers right you have production and then you have your unit and behavior test or unit and like i don't know feature tests and then you Mm -hmm. have like this middle layer which is sort of like dusk tests right so what do you use in that dusk test layer you either have you kind of have two options here you can either at the time of your running those, you can swap from using S3 to using local, right? You can make that switch, but that's sort of a little bit of a weird switch because you actually have to yeah. change the disk you're using. So Laravel has this weird thing where you can say like, use the cloud, use the cloud thing, right? Yeah. And you can in your ENV have, what is the cloud pointing to? Which disk is cloud pointing to? So when you say storage cloud, when you're production, it points to S3. When you're in local, it points to local, right? Or if you're in testing, it points to local. But that doesn't work if you have more than one disk that you have listed, which yeah. in all of our cases, we do. So you can't use that sort of because you can't have cloud bind to like more than one. So you, it just doesn't work, right? So so anyway, you you still need to be able to kind of handle this, this sort of in-between layer when you're like testing locally. And so so you can use it for local testing is what I'm saying. You can run Minio on your machine and basically have your own S3 running locally. And then that will allow you to kind of push to a S3 compatible endpoint um, and see everything as it should work in, in the production environment, which is pretty cool. So that's nice. Nice. Yeah. So like, uh, but that right there, in that case, that is sort of like where you end up with having to write this custom driver for the S3 or for this, for like what your config looks like, right? Because if you're using S3, you'll have a region, a username, a pat, or a key, secret, and then a bucket, right? And that's kind of it. But mm-hmm. if you're using a mini endpoint, you also have to have use uh, end or use path style endpoint set to true, mm-hmm. and then um, you also have to have like host, and it points to actually where it's where it's hooking up to. So there's kind of like two additional items you have to have in there. Anyway, if you're curious about it, there's two things I could recommend you do. Number one, there's a blog post on Laravel News uh, you should, that you could check out where uh, Paul Redmond talks about it. But number two, if you have any questions, literally reach out to me. I've written some documentation up for this uh, that our company uses, just like some heuristics around like when you should use what, like when you're testing, how do you do it? You know, based on like if you're if you're using it for production and local, how you handle it. Anyway. If you have any questions, reach out to me. I'd love to help you out. I love Minio. We've been using it for like three years now, and uh, it's been really, it's been really awesome. So nice, yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been really good for us for so far, and it's, it's really quick. So that's, that's handy as well. Yeah, I mean, not, yeah. not to say that S three isn't really quick, but you know, we've got immediate access, access to it locally. So and that was key for us. Not, you know, not to suggest that S three isn't secure or anything like that, but it just made sense for us to make use of the infrastructure that we already have. Exactly. Uh, the other tool I wanted to talk about uh, is, well, I, let me ask you first, like what do you use for testing of emails? Locally? Yeah. Uh, I'm just using MailTrap. Just send it straight to MailTrap. Cool. Yeah. So 
I've heard a lot of people. Well, actually, so Mailtrap. Talk to me about Mailtrap. Is that the one that is like, what does it send it to zero dot zero dot zero dot or colon? No, no, no. So Mailtrap is Mailtrap.io. It's just a hosted thing. So you get that's what um, I thought. You can okay, put fifty messages in there. Uh, in the well, it's actually here. sorry. It's not what I thought. Uh, there's <laughs> there's another one called Mailcatcher, which uh, yeah, is Mailcatcher, and there's that's Mail what I was getting Hog confused as about. well. Yeah, they're, that's they're what I was going to talk about. Yeah, all of them do the same thing, and then Marcel. Is working on his new thing Hello. at the moment, which is called Hello, spelled H-E-L-O, which I thought was clever. If you don't, if you've never talked to a mail server over Telnet, you probably don't get the reference. So, <laughs> yeah, I, there's all these different things. I I just use that because it's easy. It's only one form of rendering, though. It doesn't, you know, Outlook always butchers whatever HTML you send to it, and um, Gmail does its own thing because it doesn't let you put in external CSS and things like that. So there's, there's things like litmus and, and whatever else that allow you to test your HTML emails in multiple clients. But those things are, I, I mean, I think if you're doing heaps of them, um, probably it probably makes more sense. Anyway. Yeah. Well, if you're doing heaps of them, like $30 or $40 a month or whatever it is, is, is probably reasonable if you're doing for a litmus, lot of email. Yeah. If yeah. you just want to come up with a template and use that for everything, it's, it's probably overkill. Um, you might spin it up for a month just to make sure that your templates look fine across everything. But yeah, I think the new Laravel 7 mail templates look really nice and clean anyway. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I use MailHog as well. I've seen different people talking about different stuff. So like MailTrap, for example, like I don't, yeah, I've never used a hosted service for it just because it seems like a little bit annoying to have to like go do that like i have to go send it in there and then go take a look at it in there like when i can just do it from locally from my browser locally which is really mm-hmm. yeah for me it feels more handy the one other thing i was going to talk about with that is uh something that i just introduced into then ping me which i don't think it's actually even in the pull request yet but this idea of mapping development routes so mm-hmm. i think we've talked about this on the show maybe before where it's like if you're in an environment that's not production uh, then in your route service provider, having this idea of uh, development routes, right? And so in ours, what we also try and do is we'll try and have a section in the development routes that's mailables. And then you, we actually actually, when you go to the development page, it's index kind of lists out like here are all the things you can go to. And there was one heading called mailables and it'll pull, push in links to like all of our development routes that will render the mailables. And so the mailable will actually do all the work of setting up like the factory, like here's a user, here is the, project that they're working on and here's it, it failed the project failed okay now mm-hmm. push that into the mailable and render it right in the right in the view so then you can just go click that link and go look at it which is really handy because sometimes you, in your tests for sure like in your tests you're not rendering them out typically right so it's like no you just you may be testing that you're there. sending them you're testing Correct. that you're sending them but you can't see them right yeah. so like you either have to locally go set up the world so that you can test it in mail hog or something mm-hmm. or you can do sort of there there are a couple of packages out there that will do this for you as well uh, but i've found the development routes to be a pretty handy way to do it yeah so, yeah yes. it's kind of nice very good cool um let's see i did have one more thing to talk about how how far are we along the show here yeah, we're like 50 minutes uh let me ask you is there anything you wanted to talk about no i am I actually one one little thing I saw just going back to the Sam Selikoff video that I mentioned at the start of the show. I'll, I will include a link to it in the show notes because it's it's like an hour and a half. It's it's really well put together. It focuses specifically on using Tailwind with Ember and and extracting 
and the components and things like that. But one thing he had in there, every time he saved all of the Tailwind classes shuffled around in the class attribute. And there is a plugin for VS Code. And um, I don't know if there's one for PHP Storm, but the VS Code one, because it's built for in IntelliFence. So as part of the, the language server, there is a, a Vim port of it. And so it gives you two things, this plugin. Number one, it's number one, it, it gives you completion for all of the Tailwind classes, which is handy if you want to see, you know, is it does eight become 16 or does eight become 20? I, I know that with like height, it goes to a certain point and then it jumps and it's there's always one missing. So I try and reference 48, but it's it goes to 56 or whatever, or 54 or whatever it is. So it's nice having the immediate reference in your editor for the the class names. The other thing that it does, I know that heaps of people ask Adam, well, I don't know if they still do. I know that they did previously. Like, how do you sort your classes and how do you remember and, and all that kind of stuff? So this um, VS Code plugin is called Headwind. And essentially it will handle two things. It will handle consistently sorting your Tailwind classes and it will make sure that you don't have any duplicates in there. Oh man. So what is this called? Headwind? Headwind. Yep. So VS Code Headwind. I don't I don't know if there's a PHP Storm variant. Um, I obviously don't look for it because I don't use it. But there is a, a Vim one. Shame on you. <laughs> there is a Vim one which which works exactly the same as the VS Code one. So it will, yeah, it'll sort them all so that you never have to worry about like, do I put the width here first and then and then the flex and oh then all gosh, this other kind of stuff. So nice. Um and it will make sure that you don't have any duplicates because once that line of classes gets very long, you don't know if you've duplicated any classes. So it handles all that for you. So definitely check that out if you're using Tailwind and you're in VS Code or if you're in Vim. And I assume someone will port it to other editors if they haven't already. There's one called Tailwind Formatter for PHP Storm. Uh, and it looks like there's a couple different ones. So, yeah. But never, I never have to worry about it again. It just doesn't. It'll just do it. It'll be fine. Yeah. So there's a, yeah, there's actually, there is one. A guy named Walrus Soup uh, is the guy who made it, is the <laughs> guy who made this headwind port for PHP Storm. There so that's pretty cool. Sorted. I will be installing that immediately. Yeah. That's amazing. I actually have been looking for something like that. So that is so nice because it is. It's like sort of frustrating. How do I, which order do I put them in? Like I've kind of got my own order that I've put them in. So like I do typically like layout. So like, am I doing flex? Am I using block? Am I using whatever? What's the width kind of? Uh, am I using a max width? All of that. And then I will do uh, like colors. So like background colors, text colors, then I'll do like text size. Then I'll do like margin and padding last. Mm. So that's kind of like my set. But I mean, I don't honestly care as long as it's consistent. So that's pretty awesome. Very yeah. cool. Well, hey, you know what? I had one more topic to get into, but I don't think it's necessary. We can talk about it next time. It was just around uh, the idea. We have this. I'll give you here's the preface. So this nonprofit that I work for before me. Uh, well, actually, yeah, it was just before me, but they had a team of about four people who kind of did web stuff for them. And I think they're sort of process for determining where they wanted to buy a new domain name from was which one was having a sale that week. <laughs> and so there is domain names scattered freaking everywhere. Mm -hmm. They're all over the place. Name.com, namecheap.com, hover.com. I mean, you name it. I mean, like GoDaddy, like they're mm -hmm. all over the place, right? And then they decided to put the actual DNS 
locations, like where they were actually controlling the DNS, like where the name servers were pointing to in different locations as well. So some of them are DNS made easy, some of them are AWS, some of them are Cloudflare, some of them are Rackspace. And then they have the servers that they're pointing to, of course, everywhere as well. You've got DigitalOcean, you've got Rackspace, you've got (sighs) FTP. I I mean, literally, dude, it is the biggest headache. And then you've got certs that are from different places as well. So I went through and I got all the domains. And here was the problem. The real problem was they had the credit cards that were on file for these things expired. Oh, no. Oh, no, is right. And... The email addresses that they were notifying were for the dude that no longer works here. So, lo and behold, the president of the company is at a training seminar and it says, hey, go out to this website and check out our stuff, blah, 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 whatever. Oops, it's no longer there. Yeah. So, you want to talk about it being a priority real quick? Yeah. It became a priority like overnight, right? So, I went and found like all the domains and said, okay. Which ones are important? Because there's a list this long. Yeah. And I'm going to have to go dig on all of these things. So tell me the ones you care about and tell me the ones that you don't care about anymore. And so we went through this massive list and we've got about like 15. So I have to go in and find like where they're registered, like who, you know, where does the DNS actually, like where was it purchased? Mm-hmm. And then where's the DNS pointing? And then where, you know, where are the names, what name servers are, is it using? And then where the, where's that DNS pointing to? What server and then all that stuff. So now I'm just going to centralize all of it. Yeah. Like put it in two services. I don't even care how much it costs. I'm using Odeer to monitor certs and uptimes and all of that stuff. Yeah. Whew. It's a project. Anyway, we can talk about that next time. Yeah. Cool. Good times. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. This is episode 73. If you like the show, please feel free to rate it up. Share it with your friends. That'd be awesome. Uh, I know it's a little bit late as well. So those of you who are hanging out with us on uh, Twitter, on YouTube or whatever, thanks for thanks for joining. Uh, let's see here. Show notes for this episode will be at northmeetsouth.audio slash 73. Thank you again to Fathom Analytics for sponsoring the show. Very appreciative for all that they do and for the awesome platform and service that they provide. And let's, let's see, what did I miss? Show notes, rate us up, five stars. That's it. Oh, questions. If you have any questions, hit us up. You'll know where we're at. I think that's all. Thanks, everybody. I'm going to bed. Good night. Farewell. See you all in two weeks. Make sure you stay at home. Stay home. See you.